0: Are you in search for the perfect health insurance? Well, look no farther because they are the ultimate platform that revolutionizes the way that you find, enroll, and manage your health coverage. HealthBird offers an innovative solution that is tailored just for you. They have a lightning fast search engine that you can effortlessly compare health insurance quotes in milliseconds. There's no more tedious hours of browsing endless websites or spending hours on the phone with insurance agents. They offer a user-friendly app available on iOS and Android, which puts the power of managing your health insurance right at your fingertips. So again, you know, don't let the complexity of health insurance overwhelm you. Join HealthBird community and experience a seamless intuitive platform that puts you in control. So get a quote today at healthbird.com forward slash dealmakers. Alrighty, hello everyone, and welcome to the DealMaker Show. So super excited with uh, you know today's guest because we're going to be talking quite a bit about investing in content creators. You know how you value those companies, what they think about, you know all of that good stuff. And, and you know it's definitely you know a bunch of different ways you know in which our guest has been raising money. You know for this very unique, you know, but again a really unique um, you know business that they have established. A very inspiring you know journey also that he has. So without further ado, let's welcome our guest today, Ian Shepard. Welcome to, to The Dealmaker Show.
1: Thank you so much. It's a pleasure to be here.
0: So originally British, you grew up in the UK. So give us a little of a walk through memory lane. How was life growing up there?
1: Yeah, absolutely. So I grew up in a small town in Kent in the UK. At the time, I um, was really passionate about cars. And so I was guided towards doing an engineering degree. Um, it was interesting. But after the first year or so, I knew it wasn't for me. I did a year in industry working for a big car manufacturer of Vauxhall Motors. I was based in a factory in, um, in one of the towns in the UK. And I was just so uninspired by this very traditional manufacturing environment. And this was at the end of the 90s, so it was during the dot-com boom. And there was so much going on around that. I wanted to get involved in that. And so I completed my degree um, in engineering, but knew that engineering as a job wasn't for me and um, set myself on doing something a lot more commercial. So then what happened? What happened next? Yeah, so there were a couple of things that happened. During my last year at university, I started experimenting with websites and building websites using FrontPage. um, And I built a business called Student Madness, which promoted club nights, um, student dance nights um, in the local area um, and had a bit of success with that and it was it was great fun um, building an audience online um, and monetizing it um, and gave me a sort of a taste of 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 commerce so I completed my degree and then started work as a strategy consultant and um, I worked for Deloitte Consulting and I was lucky to work for a real host of different clients from investment banks to the government to public sector companies and um, but it was my time in the media industry um, in a couple of roles I had in consulting that really inspired me, um, and ultimately led me to a career uh, working with uh, media companies. I mean, you've definitely, you know, like been around the block when it comes to media
0: companies. I mean, you've worked with some of the biggest ones, uh, and you know, the last one, you know, being Disney, right, where you were the head of uh, new business development. You know, there especially here, um, very active in Europe. I guess, you know, as part of being, you know, part of of, of those companies, I mean, some of those, you know, just to name a few, you know, we can say here, Warner Music, Universal Music, British Telecom, Vodafone, uh, and then lastly, Disney. How was that experience of being, because now you're a founder, you're able to really move super fast, you know, uh, during your time on these big companies. I'm sure that you were able to secure any meeting that you wanted to secure, but uh, perhaps a little bit tougher when it when it came to decisions because you know things go a little bit slower. You know when you have all that red tape and all these uh, people that you need to approve. So, how was that like for you?
1: Yeah, that's exactly right. So. I was very fortunate, um, as an example, at Universal Music to work with some of the biggest artists in the world. Um, And as you say, most recently at Disney, uh, working on amazing brands like Star Wars and Marvel. And my role was very commercial. It was business development. It was identifying and building new revenue streams across the business. And anybody would want a business with a, a meeting with Disney to, to discuss um, and pitch their ideas to us. And we were overwhelmed with with opportunities. I and mean, I really loved meeting entrepreneurs and business owners to explore new ideas. Um, but what I would say is that 20% of my time was doing that really fun, new, innovative work. And 80% of the time working for a big global corporate business um, was selling that into the into that business and dealing with the legal team, dealing with the finance team, dealing with other sectors within the business. And actually, there's just been so many roadblocks um, because of um, other agreements or the politics of um, the way the businesses were run. And it was just as an entrepreneur wanting to do things do new things really ground me down so um it it came to a point where i recognized that having worked for a number of these different businesses it was um it was the same pattern re-emerging and i had this sort of real entrepreneurial streak in me and wanted to to leave and do something new so then what was that uh, new thing that came knocking yeah so through my career i was very lucky to work with um Great brands and great musicians and great artists. And what I could see happening was that there was this emerging creator economy where there was lots of talent on YouTube in particular, who in a similar way to a musician had assembled a very large audience around um, their craft. But unlike the music industry that had the record labels around it, there wasn't that same structure around um, these creators. And I found it fascinating how they they operated their business, um, but also saw a real opportunity to support them and help them in what they did. And um, when I was at Disney, I I wanted to learn more about the industry and how it was organized at that time. And I, I reached out to a number of people and what became very clear was that it was a very new industry, um, and there wasn't much of a sort of a network or knowledge across it. And so I uh, I created a, a network um, inspired by a very good friend who did something similar in a different industry. I created something called the Business of Influencers, and the Business of Influencers connected people in influencer marketing, whether it was um, an agency or a brand or uh, a content creator or their manager. And I brought them together for the first time, um, starting with dinners and then moving on to bigger events. And through that, I was able to see and understand what was happening and where some of the opportunities were. And that led me uh, to launching a business called The Social Store. And The Social Store took everything that I'd learned from Universal Music and Disney and applied that to content creators in in particular focusing on consumer products and so we worked with some of the biggest creators in the UK predominantly to sell consumer products and we had a number of different business models from drop shipping to licensed consumer consumer products to um, retail um, and we had had a lot of success um, launching products, hosting events, hosting retail events uh, the biggest event we hosted 20,000 people turned up over one weekend to meet one of the celebrity creators we had working. Um, And it was just really rewarding to to be working with these creators and and a massive step change from where I'd been at big, big traditional media organizations. And and to give you just a sense of a couple of things that happened to me and really how I could see this evolution of, of media consumption changing. The first was Where I worked with um, a very popular um, child on YouTube, celebrity child um, in the UK. And I brought my daughter along to the event to meet her um, and um, to film some content. And when my daughter went to school the next day, everyone in her class had seen the video that she was in. And she was um, overwhelmed and and surprised that um, everybody knew that she'd been with this content creator. But for me, it really told me and indicated to me that actually kids aren't watching Disney and they aren't watching Nickelodeon. They're watching YouTube channels and these creators and and that story and presenting that to the retailers um, really um, changed their minds to understand, okay, um, the tide has changed. The second thing that really jumps out as being quite a memorable um, event um, and reflective of The new media industry was in the the pop up retail event I described, where we had 20,000 people on one weekend. When I was at Disney, um, we had a similar idea for a a Disney branded Star Wars store that we wanted to launch in the UK. And through the course of probably 18 months, there were various different proposals um, and locations for this store. But ultimately, the concept and the idea was rejected and the star wars store never happened but the store i created with a content creator that whole process of having the idea finding the venue announcing the event and and having the event happened in the space of two weeks and it really showed to me um, just the difference in how quick and adaptable this new media industry is
0: so for the social store what, what ended up being the outcome with the social store?
1: Yeah so it was a it was a business that I learned so much through particularly working with content creators every day but it also being a product business was somewhat constrained um and challenged by covid and uh, disrupted by that some of our obvious revenue streams fell away, which was disappointing. Um, but we were able to create a very successful Amazon business um, that thrived during COVID. Um, and we ultimately sold that business um, after COVID. And um, it was a great journey to go on. It taught me a lot about working with some of the biggest content creators um, and has guided me to where I am now. So then let's talk about Electrify. So
0: how has the idea of Electrify come knocking? Like, because yeah. obviously, you know, it sounds like the creators, you know, like where, you know, your, 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 your passion, right? I mean, the, the whole media thing, something that you had been really involved with, you know, for quite a while, but why Electrify out of all things?
1: Yeah. So Electrify Video Partners as a business invests in and scales, established YouTube channels and one thing I'd seen in working with these content creators every day was that they are entrepreneurs and business owners. And many of them had established these really profitable YouTube channels, um, but they were one-man solopreneur businesses. And many of these creators didn't know how to scale their business. They didn't know how to hire a team. They didn't know how to diversify different revenue streams. They didn't know how to de-risk the business from themselves. Um, and that what I'd learned at disney and what i'd learned at universal music was the whole idea of a 360 degree business where you're building not just a youtube channel but a global media property and i saw this real opportunity in in um as did my business partners in investing into content creators and so two and a half years ago i met with owen and justin who are the other two co-founders in electrify with me um and we We saw this opportunity to invest. And my business partners, their background is private equity. Um, Both of them have spent many years working at KKR. And so we have these very complementary skills that we believe come together to invest in and scale YouTube channels.
0: Hey, guys. So pardon the interruption here. So I got to tell you that you know, for those of you that are either looking to raise money or you're looking to get your company acquired, you don't have to be alone. You know, there's a lot of psychology that needs to be blended with strategy, with methodology, with process. And it's very hard. And already doing your business alone is super, super difficult. So I remember, you know, back then when I was an entrepreneur, I kept really experiencing the challenge of either with that being said, if you would like to find out more, feel free to send me an email at alejandro at panteraadvisors.com. And we would love to take a look at helping you out. And and basically for for this, for the business model of Electrify, how do you guys make money?
1: Yeah, great question. So it may surprise some um, listeners to know that YouTube channels are typically very profitable businesses. and most YouTube channels, in the first instance, make money and make their income from the Adsense revenue, which is that advertising um, the video advertising before the video or the video advertising in the video and um, there are hundreds of thousands of channels on YouTube making serious money. We believe that there are more than fifty thousand channels that are making more than a hundred thousand dollars in revenue, and so the first revenue stream that for any channel is um, that AdSense revenue. But then in addition to that, there are many other incremental revenue streams. So in addition to the advertising that Google puts around a video, a YouTube channel owner is also able to do their own brand partnerships. They're able to negotiate their own rates. And so there's almost like a double bite at the cherry where they have these two different advertising revenue streams. And then in addition to that, a channel owner can think about, well, how do I distribute the same content onto other platforms, whether it's TikTok or Facebook or Snapchat, there are ways to monetize that content. And then furthermore, there are other opportunities around courses and podcasts and consumer products. And um, we, as as a business, invest into these channels and we either own the channel. And and have those revenue streams or we are joint business owners with some of the channels um, and we share those, we share the profit in those channels.
0: So then I guess uh, for this, you know, when it comes to
1: content creators, what do they think about every day and, and how do they organize themselves? Yeah, I mean, it is fascinating. I'm lucky to speak with content creators every day. I've spoken to hundreds over the last couple of years with Electrify. And there's some really common themes that I see where typically uh, these creators are obviously very proud of what they've built. Um, and they should be, they're, they're very profitable businesses. But the algorithms of the social media platforms typically encourage as much content as possible. And so what I often see are these. Channel owners that are overwhelmed with opportunity um, and the real bottleneck to the growth of their business. And what so many of them really need is a team to help them grow their business. And um, it's really fascinating to learn where they are on their journeys, the ambitions of what they're trying to achieve. And then what we really try to do is marry up our strategy and align that with their ultimate goals. And that could be a business partner. Um to grow the channel, it could be an exit of the business and an exit of the channel, or it could be somewhere in between.
0: Now, when it comes to, for example, the um you know, really evaluation of investing in those in those channels, I mean how do you evaluate one of those channels? How do you price tag, you know, the one of those companies that you're looking to to invest in, which is one of those channels essentially?
1: Yeah, so it's, it's it's a relatively new thing, the idea of investing into content creators and into channels. And we take a very sort of standard approach. We look at the last 12 months revenue um, and costs for the channel, um, which obviously leads to the profitability. Um, and we're looking at valuing the business at a multiple of the profitability. Um, this is sometimes a new concept for channel owners, depending on how sophisticated they are. Um, and just how they think about their business, but we believe that this is a very consistent and fair approach that gives us um, an opportunity to, you know, invest in the channels at a fair market value and help them to grow the business. So then in
0: this case, you know, like, uh, for, for you guys, when it comes to doing the diligence, right? What does the diligence look like when you're looking at one of those companies and finally you price the deal and you know you're ready to roll? I mean what what does that what does that look like? How do you what kind of diligence? What what are you looking for? How do you verify things and make sure that you're investing,
1: you know, in something meaningful versus a black hole? Yeah, that's really important. So we we trust that and believe that the YouTube AdSense model um, is a very fair and transparent way to pay creators. And what we've observed over the last um, two years in running this business and seen with creators running channels for more than 10 years is this very fair and consistent model in the performance of YouTube channels. One of the first pieces of information that we request from channel owners is access to the data on their channels. So this enables us to understand how the channels are performing, um, and how the channel has evolved and performed over time. If there were any abnormalities in that, so for example, a spike in views, that could potentially trigger us to um, believe that something um, wasn't quite correct. But um, typically, that that viewpoint of the channel gives us a really good understanding of how the business has grown from, from nowhere. And I think it's It's amazing to have access to the history of the data of a business at such a granular level, and that's the first thing that we think about and Then the second piece of information that we look at is really the p and l of the business, so understanding the other revenues, understanding the costs, and being able to have a good, clear picture of what the business looks like and For some channel owners, they're meticulous and super well organized for others. It's, it's very poorly organized and um, often we're having to help them piece together what is an accurate reflection of the business. Once we agree on um, the framework for a deal and evaluation, there is then um, a more complex and detailed level of due diligence that's done in really understanding uh, each of the different revenue streams and, and feeling confident that everything is above board and has been um, managed accordingly. And uh, how much capital have you guys raised to date for this, for Electrify? Yeah, so we um, use both debt and equity to fund the different channels that we invest in. And we've raised more than $50 million to date um, to invest into channels over a number of different rounds.
0: So talk to us about debt versus equity for something like this. How does that work?
1: Yeah, so I mean, for the type of business that we have, the debt providers are really trying to understand the consistency of the income. And so as I've described, the uh, the uh, performance of the channels on YouTube is relatively consistent. Um, and what we also see is that um, the, the library of content, the historical content does um, have a real future value. And so that helps us paint a picture um, to the debt finances, just in terms of how we look at the channel and what we believe the future opportunities and revenue to be. Um, and then that's married with some equity um, alongside it. And I guess depending on the different, um, the, the status of the channel and the business we're investing in and the opportunities will depend on the exact mix um, that our partners um, support us with.
0: So when when now, you know,
1: when, when you have the
0: money in hand and you're ready to deploy, I mean this is this is a little bit different, you know, than the typical investor that is looking to invest in, in companies, right? Like going to demo days, going to events, or, you know, reading blogs of people. How how do you find, you know, those channels? I mean and and, and and what does a channel with the key ingredients, you know, that meets all the boxes for you guys, what does that look like?
1: Yeah, great question. So there's a a couple of things we do. The first thing is really um, a lot of careful analysis in terms of the different channels on YouTube um, and how they're performing. And um, there's some sort of key characteristics that we look for in channels that are really attractive to us. And so the first part is sort of some desk research using some tools that we pay for um, and some additional data science that we layer on top of it to understand. the lay of the land and some channels that um look particularly attractive and then the majority of the uh the discussions we have are outbound um proprietary source c- conversations where we're uh we're talking to creators we're reaching out to them and we're explaining our business and how we can support them what i imagine to happen as the industry evolves is you know inevitably there will be more players in this space um and there will be probably a bigger industry around what we do. And as we as a business build our reputation um and invest into more channels, then I would expect to see more channel owners um approaching us about investment um and, and wanting to be part of the electrified business.
0: And there's now all you know all types of, of things. And 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 I like to ask you about trends because I mean obviously TikTok, you know, is now in the picture too. So Where do you see things evolving, and how do you see also Electrify evolving when it comes to investing in content creators?
1: Yeah, so what we like about YouTube is that the AdSense revenue is a very transparent and fair way that the platform pays the creators for the content. What we've seen with these other platforms, Instagram, TikTok, Snap, is that some of them have made some payments to creators typically as part of a fund, um, and they can be quite sporadic um, and unreliable and unpredictable. However, there is this intense rivalry amongst the main platforms, as we're seeing with threads and Twitter at the moment. And I believe that with so much um, advertising spend on the platforms, it's inevitable that they'll need to pay, the platforms will need to pay the content creators um, a fairer share for for bringing the audience and the advertising revenue to the platform. And therefore, we'll see the likes of Instagram and TikTok paying creators in a more logical and systematic way, much like YouTube. What that will mean is that there will be more creators earning more revenue. And for us, with our existing channels, it will be a way to monetize them. And it will also open up the door for, in the future, Electrify to invest into creators on other platforms as well so then in
0: this case you know imagine i mean incredible the journey that you've had and and all these different companies that you've been able to set up and, and the investments that you've been able to see because at the end of the day you develop pattern recognition too no if you had the opportunity of getting into a time machine i put you into this time machine right now i bring you back in time i bring you back in time to that moment where maybe you were working at disney still and you were wondering about a world in which you could branch out and become an entrepreneur imagine i put you into that disney office and i give you the opportunity of having that discussion getting that ear whispering something to yourself and you're able to give that younger self that younger ian one piece of advice before launching a business what would that be and why give me what you know now
1: yeah it's a great question i think that the piece of advice that i would give myself is just to be more patient so um the journey of an entrepreneur is a real roller coaster. And um I've lived that for the last seven years um running um and co-founding a business. And you can have some great wins and some real highs, but there's also some real challenges. And I think for me, COVID was a real challenge um, in adapting and responding to something beyond the control of the business and and new opportunities and new deals come and go and in a deal making scenario where we are now it can be quite frustrating when you think that there's a great opportunity and it ultimately falls away but if you kind of take a step back and reflect on how far we've come as a business and and I've come as an entrepreneur and um, I've grown so much and uh, the the toughest lessons and um, or well, the hardest times have been the toughest but the greatest lessons and um a younger Ian, you know, is running uh, as fast as he can trying to make things happen, but a, a, a more experienced Ian has 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 been more patient and um, thinking about the bigger picture and the long-term game that we're playing here. And there's so many um, tailwinds of the creator economy, new platforms supporting creators, new ways of monetizing. Um, the creators that we're working with, new creators coming onto the platform. I'm I'm so excited about where this industry is going, and I know that um, personally, I just need to be very patient with what we're building, um, and knowing that um, I'm going to learn a lot along the way, and and it, it is um it's a roller coaster, but um it's it's for me the, the best roller coaster to be on. Amazing. So Ian, for the people that are listening,
0: that would love to reach out and say hi. Where's the best way for the do Show?
1: Yeah, so I'm pretty active on LinkedIn. You can find me on there, Ian Shepherd. I'm also on Twitter, iShepherd. And um, check out our website, electrify.video.
0: Amazing. Well, easy enough. Well, Ian, thank you so much for being on the Dealmaker Show today. It has been an honor to have you with us.
1: Excellent. Thank you so much for having me.
0: If you like the show, make sure that you hit that subscribe button. If you could leave a review as well, that would be fantastic. And if you got any value, either from this episode or from the show itself, share it with a friend. Perhaps they also appreciate it. So also remember that if you need any help, whether it is with your fundraising efforts or with selling your business, you can reach me at alejandro at pantheraadvisors.com